This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Minnesota 7th District Representative Colin Peterson, ranking member on the House Agriculture Committee. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Congressman Colin Peterson next. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about the biggest challenge facing humanity, feeding a growing population. Syngenta's Good Growth Plan is about six commitments to make crops more efficient, rescue more farmland, help biodiversity flourish, reach and empower smallholders, help people stay safe, and to look after every worker throughout the entire supply chain network. One Planet, Six Commitments. Learn more at www.goodgrowthplan.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. House Agriculture Leadership has begun discussion on the 2018 Farm Bill. Minnesota Democrat Colin Peterson doesn't believe ag committee leaders need a lot of time to craft good policy. Peterson says the cyclical downturn of the farm economy has been tough, but not as bad as he'd feared. By and large, we had tremendous crops this year, good yields, uh, and offset the price situation. So I don't think we have quite as much stress in the system right now that I thought we were going to have. The folks that are I think that our stressed are the ones that don't have a lot of land, that don't own a lot of land. They're rent, renting everything. The rents haven't really come down, and they don't want to let the land go because they probably never get it back. So they're farming in a situation where uh, they're probably going to be losing money, you know, some young folks especially in this situation. So there is some stress out there with certain individuals, but, uh, you know, it's not uh, – I wouldn't say it's a crisis situation. And the other thing that's happened, when we had such good years, everybody went out and updated their line of equipment and so forth. And, and the 179 depreciation and bonus depreciation allowed them to write it all off and, and uh, eliminate their tax liabilities. But that's now impacting the farm economy, you know, the equipment dealers and so forth, because now when we've tightened up, you don't have any buying equipment because they most of them have a pretty good line of equipment already. So there's some signs out there of, of trouble. And we, if we have a, a below average crop this coming year, then I think we could be seeing some problems. When we talked a few months ago, you'd mentioned you were keeping an eye on farmers being able to secure operating loans. Given the financial climate that we're in, do you see being able to secure funds as an issue now? I don't think it's the issue that I thought it was going to be. Uh, there are individual situations, but they're not, from what I can tell, a lot of them. And from what I can see, most people are going to get financed. We did have a situation where the loan guarantees and direct loans were capped, but that was addressed, and it seems like that has been resolved now. So I think I think people are going to get financed. Uh, what I'm concerned about, if these prices don't respond, uh, that we could have a situation next year at this time. Uh, if we don't get a, you know, a above average crop like we had this year. So I'll just, we'll have to watch it. A subcommittee of the House will be holding a hearing on the conservation element of the new farm bill. What should be said about conservation, conservation compliance, and, and do you see a bigger role for CRP in the 2018 farm bill? Yeah, I think by and large the conservation stuff is working. Last time we lowered the cap on CRP because we were losing the acres anyway, 
because of the $7 corn. And had we not lowered the cap, uh, we'd have gone down to 24 million acres and the money would have been lost the way the budget process works. So we lowered the cap and uh, we captured, I don't know, $6.5 billion that we used to shore up the EQIP program, the CSP program, and so forth. But I think now there's no question in my mind that uh, we need to figure out how to get back to 35, 40 million acres of CRP. We're starting to see the, the loss of CRP on not only water quality and, and those kinds of things, but more importantly, uh, we're seeing it on wildlife. Uh, we're losing it, you know, in my district. We've lost a substantial amount. North and South Dakota, Montana, those areas where they've had, you know, really a rebound uh, in hunting opportunities, and that's been economic opportunities for them. Uh, you've seen a lot of that area lose CRP. So trying to figure out how we're going to afford this, I think one of the things we have to do is make this less complicated. We have gotten too many different types of CRP that have been put out there. We've been more interested in continuous than we have big track CRP where ordinary farmers can get in. We've limited the CRP to highly erodible, so it, it hasn't spread it out over the landscape like I think it should. So I've been, for the last couple of months, working on uh, looking into all that and doing CBO scoring and trying to figure out uh, if there's ways we can simplify this and get the emphasis back on the general sign-up and get the ability for average farmers to get into the program and to make it more reasonable in terms of what we're paying. Because in some areas, we've got, we're paying too much. And we're actually paying more for CRP than the land is going for uh, rent for farm purposes, and that's not a good situation. So I think we need to simplify, reform, and increase CRP, and you're going to hear that from uh, Dave Dobson from Pheasants Forever, who will be testifying, and you probably hear it from me and maybe from some others. I think there's a lot of folks in Congress that agree with, in general, what I've just laid out. How much money do you think you need to come up with to expand uh, those type acres? Well, we don't know. Uh, it depends on how we structure the continuous going forward, whether we put limitations on what can be paid and how all that gets scored. And, and so we're working right now with CBO to, to see what, you know, what can be done to, to try to, uh, you know, resolve. I don't, I don't think we can get enough money out of the existing baseline to get there, but I think we can come up with money out of the existing baseline to expand acreage if um, if we, as I say, if we simplify and put caps on what can be paid. The other thing I want to take a look at, when we first did this, uh, it wasn't really a conservation program so much as it was a program to get land out of production and raise prices. And that's not really the reason I'm pushing that so much this time, but one of the provisions that's been in the law since 85 is that you have to have program or base acres on your land in order to get into CRP, into the general CRP. I'd like to repeal that because I don't think there's any reason why we should differentiate between farmland depending on whether it was in some program crop or not. I think that's an outdated situation and would be better if we would eliminate that. Let's talk about the dollars and cents. What do you see in the overall budget process and specifically coming to a budget baseline for a new farm bill for 2018? Well, I'm not in charge, but I uh, (laughs) have said uh, that I think 
we should be given the resources to do what we need to do to have the right kind of farm program. And that means resources to deal with cotton, uh, resources to deal with the dairy margin protection program, and resources to deal with CRP. We have saved over $100 billion from what uh, was projected in the 2014 bill. I think Mike Conaway, is, his message has been uh, to his leadership not to cut anything out of the farm bill. But uh, I think the best situation would be if, if we were allowed to come up with a bill that meets the needs of you know the agriculture community and then fund it. So that would be the best situation. Chairman Conaway suggested that he wanted to have hearings, he wanted to get the bill written up and be ready to go on time with the new legislation. Do you see a reason financially with regard to the budget baseline or with regard to the industry today that would push to an early rewrite of the legislation? Well, I think that's what we're working on. This situation I talked about, if, even if we have an average crop, I think we're going to have problems next winter. So uh, if we can have a new bill in place, and it's a bill that addresses some of the shortcomings, that would make sense. If we get started now, I don't see any reason why we couldn't finish this by fall. Uh, you know, we don't have to change everything in the bill. You know, this is, as I said, we have to do something with cotton. We have to do something with dairy. There's a few other tweaks that need to be made. You know, I'd like to do something with CRP. So there's no reason why we couldn't get this done. And I think Chairman Roberts is moving ahead on a rapid timetable. So is Chairman Conaway. I've advocated for that. The sooner we move, the more resources we're going to have under the baseline, no matter what the budget committee or leadership does. So there's no reason why we can't get this thing through ahead of time. And if we get it done this fall, uh, what that does is it gives them the opportunity to write the regulations and have them ready to go in place before the bill expires, which is actually the way things ought to be done. So, you know, we should move on this, I think, as quick as we can. With regard to the dairy program, was it flawed policy or was it good policy and a lack of funding? It was the CBO who screwed the deal up. If they would have left the program the way I did it to start with, we wouldn't have be having a discussion right now about the MPP. They made us cut back on the food cost uh, calculation situation, and that is what caused the problem. So if we just move the feed cost calculator back to what it was in the original bill and uh, a couple other tweaks, I'd like to see us, I, I think for very little money, we can raise the catastrophic floor to 5 bucks, which provides everybody a little bit of protection. For $100, you know, you can avoid a really serious collapse. And I'd like to see us raise the cap for under 4 million pounds, which is farmers, um, well, it's everybody's production, but it, it impacts especially farmers with less than 200 uh, cows. I'd like to see the so-called sweet spot be moved from 650 to $8 on the folks that have less than 4 million pounds of production. That gives a much better safety net to the small producers. We're also looking at taking the cap off of the uh, livestock gross margin and allowing people to sign up in both programs. They kind of work in different directions, and so I don't think there should be a reason to preclude them. Uh, so those are some of the things we're looking at. We're trying to get that stuff scored now. Uh, but going back, if they would have left the program the way National Milk and I introduced it and put it together, I don't think we'd have been having this discussion now.
With regard to nutrition, Chairman Conaway on this program said that he didn't want to make any changes that would take food away from hungry people, but yet there were suggestions that we might restrict some of the food that would be available for those who are participating in the SNAP program, and there are others who might like to limit perhaps participation or put some sort of tests on those who receive support from Washington. What are your thoughts on nutrition as we look at the 18 bill? Well, I think we've made some reforms in it. We've had a lot of hearings looking at it. And my advice is to leave it alone. On our side of the aisle, we have people that would like to see an increase, but I've been able to get them to the point where they will accept the status quo. And I don't think there's a case that has been made to make these other changes. We've had hearings. We've had people come in and testify. I don't think a case has been made to do that. So my advice is leave it alone. Do not split it from the farm bill. That's going to give us the best chance of getting something done. Uh, the, the Senate is not going to do that stuff anyway. So there's no reason to go down that path. And that's what screwed us up last time. Cost us nine months. Almost cost us getting a bill. You know, and the, the, the stuff that people that are on SNAP, the food they buy is really no different than what the foods that people buy that aren't on SNAP. So I would agree that people drink too much sugary soft drinks and too much junk food. But that's being done by all Americans, not just by people on SNAP. And there's really no difference between the two groups. So I don't see any reason to do that, number one. Number two, I don't believe the government should be the food police. Uh, So, you know, I, I don't think it would work and I don't think it's the right thing to do so so I just think we should leave it alone and uh, that will give us the best chance of getting a bill done. From listening to the agriculture groups in the country they seem to be relieved that there may be some relief from regulation from Washington especially on the waters of the U.S. but there is quite a bit of concern about the Trump administration's idea toward bilateral trade as opposed to multilateral, and some of the rhetoric that's gone on between the U.S. and China and Mexico and even Canada. How do you see this this period of time and transition of administrations and of direction toward U.S. trade policy? Well, I think that every country in the world wants to get into our market overall. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. So I don't know that I agree that multilateral deals are going to get us better results in agriculture than bilateral. I signed a letter last week with some Republicans uh, asking the administration to move quickly on bilateral negotiations with the countries that were involved in TPP. You know, I think they should do that, and I think we have the potential of getting a good uh, good outcome. So I'm, I know there's folks out there concerned, but I, I think I think this can be worked out. You know, frankly, there's some problems in NAFTA that need to be fixed, and I think it would be good to go in and have a renegotiation of some of those provisions uh, where we allowed the Canadians to keep their supply management system and kept our products out of Canada to, so they could protect their system and they can dump their products into the U.S. market. That's that's certainly not a good situation. So, uh, you know, I think I'm probably one of those that's more on board with what President Trump has been saying than, than others, uh, but... We'll see how it plays out. Do you think the 115th Congress has the medal to address immigration reform, comprehensive immigration reform, and for that matter, also corporate tax relief? Well, uh, in the case of immigration reform, I hope so, because we need to deal with this. Uh, and for agriculture especially, 
Uh, we need to resolve this situation. Uh, we can't, a lot of agriculture cannot operate without these workers. Some of what's going on here is very troubling in terms of, you know, what we're going to end up with, um, you know, and how it's going to work within the agriculture. So, you know, if we can't get an overall immigration bill passed, we need to come up with a way to be able to regularize or legalize the people that we need in agriculture to allow them to come in and work. In my experience, most of them don't want to be citizens anyway. Uh, they want to go back to Mexico and, uh, you know, they come up here and work and then go back to Mexico. And we ought to set up a system to allow them to do that and not, and not make it so darn complicated as some of the things we have now, not cost so much money to do it. Uh, you know, so I hope we get something done there. In the case of tax reform, some of what's being talked about, I have some real questions about. And frankly, the way they're going about this, I'm not sure that that's going to go anyplace. Um, I think this border adjustment thing is going to bring the whole situation down, from what I can tell. And I don't know that the world is going to end or, or not, uh, depending on whether we get tax reform. So I'm more interested in getting something done with this immigration problem. Congressman Peterson, we want to thank you very much for being with us on this edition of Open Mic. Sir, it is Open Mic, and you have the last word today. Well, we uh, hope that this crazy weather we got straightens out. We get a good spring and get the crop in, and we have a, another year like last year. That would be um, a wonderful outcome. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Our thanks to Minnesota 7th District Representative Colin Peterson, ranking member on the House Agriculture Committee. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta. See how we're focusing on our one planet with six commitments. See the Good Growth Plan on the web at www.goodgrowthplan.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.